Hello guys. Welcome to Music Happy Hour. The happiest music podcast around. How are we all doing today? Hey, oh, I'm doing great, Danny. You good, Danny? Oh, sorry. I was just told I was a bit too exaggerated in the last intro. So, Decided to reel it to the, to the other end of the spectrum. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be Fantastic. discussing Frank Sinatra's Where Are You? As well as we have two interviews, one with a ex-music music major and one with a future music major. And of course, the highlight of the show, Gannon's Movie Minute. Yes! It's a good I one today. Gannon, you say that every time, but uh, somehow I'm still disappointed every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump in straight to Sinatra's Where Are You? So this is... Oh, top three Sinatra album for me. I, it's like hard for me to rank my top three with um, In the Wee Small Hours, um, Sinatra at the Sands, and then um, Where Are You? I think Where Are You uh, really compliments Sinatra, but let's do a little history about the album first. So it was released in 1957. Uh, this is really when Sinatra is starting to mature and really become um, quite the musician. This is his 16th studio album. Um, this was the first time Sinatra recorded in stereo. And Sinatra recorded these tracks under Gordon Jenkins. So um, Gordon Jenkins directed the orchestra um, in um, this album as contrast to Count Basie's orchestra that we see in like Sinatra at the Sands and other albums. Um, yeah, so some unique things about the album. The song I Think of You is based on a lyrical second theme in the E-flat major from the piano concerto number two in C minor, opus 18, Moderato by Sergei Rachmaninoff. I didn't believe it at first, but when I started Ooh. to listen, I believed it. Um, and just looking at some rankings of this album, it's constantly ranked, or it's consistently ranked in the top 10 of all Sinatra albums. Um, it's more of a hidden one. I think a lot of people don't necessarily give it the respect they give in the wee small hours. But if you really start to listen to it, I think it really takes its own, um, own um, like spots. Um, Gordon Jenkins creates a stark contrast to the big band feel we hear in songs like Come Fly With Me or Fly Me to the Moon. And this was his first album with Gordon Jenkins, and it's rated consistent, consistently around four or five stars. So what was your guys' take on the album? I really liked it. So did I. I. Um, I'm usually more of a big band, Fly Me to the Moon kind of guy, but I really thought um, the ballads in this were incredible, and I love – his voice is just so good. It's incredible. Agreed. I, yeah, I, I have think... one note. My one note is – and I quote, opening to Lonely Town, bangs. And I bangs, think okay. that means, because it's a solo French horn, right? And that's pretty, I liked that a lot. But I liked a lot of the horn stuff just throughout the entire thing. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the strings and like really how Jenkins really weighed on the strings just really brings out Sinatra's voice. I mean, because a lot of times you just think of him as a big, big time performer. Um, like I was actually having a conversation with a friend and I said, Oh, you really got to listen to the Sinatra album. And I'm talking about, where are you? And they responded with, sorry, Ashton, but I like music with words. Right. Cause I know I'm a jazz, I'm a jazz fan. So <laughs> right. But it's Frank Sinatra. Right. So like, mm -hmm. how do you not know who Frank Sinatra is? And I think that exactly. that says something about people forgetting about the greatest performer to ever walk in a society. Yep. <laughs> but, um, no, but I think I think yeah, this album's just a standout album for him, and it really it really shows shows his jazz roots and also his just great vocal capabilities. What do you think, Gannon? Well, I 
loved it great i thought there wasn't like really a single dud in the track list in my opinion all of them were very like they're all just they're like they're very retro but they also feel, retro and like they feel kind of old-timey but they all also it's all super fresh like it's all crisp it's not doesn't feel like it was like recorded back in the 50s it's just super pleasing to the ear in my opinion and I, his, his voice is amazing it's like every song showcases his voice extremely well and I just I, I love the orchestral arrangements that go like behind them it's just it's all very pretty do you have do either of you two have any critiques of the album I mean this is like not really a valid critique it's just personally that I listen to albums I like like we mentioned with Pet Sounds, you said it goes from like ballads to like more like faster songs pretty well. I just thought like it's like 56 minutes long and like they're mo- most of them are all ballads. And just personally, I just like diversity among the uh, track listing. But I mean, like that's that'll, that'll change from person to person overall. It was, it's great. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would, I like I said, I like big band more usually, you know, the um, screaming brass and all that kind of like just loud sound so if i had anything I'd, I'd want a bit more of a um fa- you know faster chart halfway through or something but i think that the album works very well because um it keeps that same tone throughout the whole thing it's like i understand why he wouldn't have done that but that's mm-hmm. just me liking fast things and not as much slow songs because slow songs are usually boring to play yeah, for me, I mean, you guys know this from the jazz combo. I, I just love ballads. I mean, you, you know that. Yeah. So this this album just really, really speaks to me. Um, so I guess it, it, it showcases two of my favorite ballads. Well, one's sort of a you choose what you want it to be in Autumn Leaves. And then um, his arrangement of Laura, I think, is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, think I did like, um, I, I thought it was very interesting for me listening to Autumn Leaves because as we've said, we're all in the jazz, in our jazz combo. And when we play Autumn Leaves, you know, um, we do it as an up-tempo swing song, you know, but he takes it very slowly and does a lot with it and just stretches it and fills it completely. And I thought it was a really, really cool version of the song, which I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really unique for songs like that to actually hear lyrics to them. Um, cause you know, we might not necessarily play, play them with lyrics, obviously, but just to hear the lyrics behind the song, it just adds another layer. So what type of, um, rankings you guys thinking for this one, Gannon and Sam? Nine. Hmm. I give it like eight to 8.5. I guess I still loved it. Just a couple things holding it back from like a higher score. Yeah. Like so. 8.9 so to 9.1 range. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a 9.2, which is just a, a crazy score for my scale. There's the more oh, my I listen, gosh. The more I listen to it, the more, <laughs> the more I listen to it, the more I just loved it. And I'm just like such a bad guy that I could just sit here with my mouth, my mouth open and just listen to it. Um, so before we go into our movie minute, I have one thing. I'm going to call it my Ted Gioia minute. I don't know if you guys know I have these books uh, – yeah, this one's yeah. called the jazz standards, right? But this just has a really unique paragraph on the jazz standard Laura, which uh, Sinatra performs in this album. So um, he writes, yet the song almost never made it into the film. The film that Laura was written for is called Laura, just so you guys know. Uh, Raskin was not brought in as a composer until after the shooting had been completed. Director Otto Priminger 
had originally wanted to use Gershwin's Summertime, but couldn't secure the rights. Then he focused on Ellington's Sophisticated Lady, but Raskin argued that it wasn't the right for the soundtrack. Raskin began work, to work on the song the day after his wife walked out on him, and some have connected the charged emotions of the composition with the personal circumstances that provided over its birth. So I think that's really unique just because um, this guy's wife walks out on him and then he composes Laura, which is just mm-hmm. one of the greatest jazz standards of all time. Jazz ballads, I guess. There's a lot of better jazz standards, but yeah. So I think, I think emotions behind music are really interesting because, I mean, you guys know in a sentimental mood, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's believed that yeah, that, uh, that <laughs> we've been tin can I'm this whole time. Out. Yeah, can you guys hear me now though? I yeah, can hear yeah. you now. Okay, um, but you guys know in a sentimental mood, right? Absolutely. Yeah, meatloaf. <laughs> no, in a sentimental mood, right? Duke Ellington's track. Um, there's rumors that it was written on the spot because there was a fight in the bar and he wrote it to calm him hmm. down. Right. So I don't know. Emotions behind music and music composition, I think is really kind of interesting. So. Hmm. All right, Gannon, give us the movie minute. Then the we can movie minute. Experiences. Okay. Our movie minute. We're taking you back to 1962 for this thriller drama called the Manchurian candidate. Well, basically this movie, first off, it stars Frank Sinatra, which is why I chose to make this for this one. Well, but anyway, well. I'll basically list the plot and tell you why I like it. So it's basically near the end of the Korean War, there's a platoon of U.S. soldiers, and they're captured by communists and brainwashed. And they basically send them back to the U.S. where they, like, use them, these, like, these people. And they every, every once in a while, there'll be, there'll be some kind of trigger that puts them back into the state of hypnosis. And they'll do whatever the communists ask them to do. So they become these, like, secret assassins for the communists. And it's an extremely well-done thriller from the 60s. And once, once again, Frank Sinatra's in it. He's great. It's not his, like, typical, like, not his, like, not his typical, like, musical role. He's very subdued, and he plays a, a, a U.S. Army general, and it's pretty nice. And overall, the, the whole movie, it's, it fe- it's very anachronistic because it was made in the 60s, but it has this, like, 70s, 80s, like, thriller kind of feel, and it was kind of more boundary-pushing because this is, like, PG-13. It's not as, like... It's not as like safe as like thrillers back then were. And I think it also, like on top of having this like extremely intricate and interesting story, it provides this nice little comment on McCarthyism of the time to the whole like, commun- like the whole communism situation there. And overall, it's a, it's a great movie that you can get more things out of as you go back and watch it again. Dan, and how can we find this movie to Raj? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed to say my off my answer, but just go to your local library. I think it's <laughs> there. Yeah. So, Gannon, do you agree with my statement that Sinatra is the greatest performer of all time? I, I don't know. I think people in like in terms of performers, like Freddie Mercury might be up there because, like, in terms of, like stage presence and like yep. overall t- talent and just like overall is like influence on like. I'm not going to say that Frank Sinatra isn't influential. They both are. But I don't know. Freddie Mercury would be up there. Because Frank Sinatra is certainly a great performer. Elton John's up there. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, our band director, Mr. Ginther, was telling me a story about how he was at an Elton John and Billy Joel concert together. And he just talked about how Billy Joel just totally outperformed Elton John. Really? 
which I really? which I thought was interesting too, right? Because Elton just seems to have this stage presence, but I mean Billy Joel too. I, I mean obviously I also read this interview where Billy Joel said Elton like I absolutely schools him on piano. So that's yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I and it's it's really interesting. I mean, to really think about who is the greatest um male performer it's me. to ever walk this earth is interesting. It's I ice JJ Fish. <laughs> I definitely um he's Young gonna be a good in a second though. No, again, I definitely recommend and everyone that's listening, I recommend you listen to Sinatra at the Sands because that's a live album um backed okay. up by Count Basie's orchestra and uh, you really get to see who Frank Sinatra was as a performer, right? I mean none of us have seen any of these artists that we're talking about live, but you just get to truly sense his stage presence through an LP and it's just like the fact okay. that he can do that's just kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. Okay. So, have you guys ever performed any songs by Frank Sinatra? Hmm. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Would you care to let us know, Janet? Like, no, I'm pretty sure same as all of us. It's like, it's the jazz van. Like, come fly with me, I think. Yeah. You did come fly with me. Man, would you fill us in on this? Of course, I'd love to. Um, so two years ago and this year, um, our jazz band, which we're all a part of, two years ago, Gannon was not a part of it, but this year he is, we performed for a bunch of different concerts, and for one of them, our director, Mr. Ginther, asked our superintendent, Jeff Elstead, if he would like to sing a song with us, because he has a beautiful voice. He's got a great voice. And so, um, he sang... He chose uh, Come Fly With Me, and then we backed him up at the MBO concert and the Hollajazzle concert this year, I think. Yeah, definitely the Hollajazzle. I think that's the only performance we did with him. No, it was the MBO one, too, I'm pretty sure. He did something at the other one at MBO, I think. No, but that was a lot of fun to actually be like, kind of feel yeah. like what it's like to be in a big band backing up a vocalist. I thought that was a really cool experience. Like, he wasn't there with us when we rehearsed, really. It was just us working with our director. And so, like, he came for, like, two rehearsals beforehand because he just knew the song and everything. And then we just had little minor issues to fix with him. But it was – it's a great song, and I really I really enjoy playing it. It's got some, some great, great parts to it. Yeah, we also we also performed Save the Last Dance with him, right? Two years ago. Yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah, what what you what do you guys think of that performance too? I liked that one. That that one was more fun for me because um, I got that one was one where Mr. Ginther came over to me as I was playing it, and he basically just flipped around my sheet music and said, "You're not going to do any of that." And then he sat down and he showed me like this really cool sort of like a um samba pattern sort of a thing on like the rims of the drums and everything and it was really cool and it added a lot and so i really yeah because that was that was freshman year that's when like all of us really grew as musicians at least you and me sam i don't Except know about you, you Gannon, but... <laughs> yeah you're, you're kind of right <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah that was a lot of fun um i mean that's a michael buble piece what do you guys think of michael buble i like michael buble i think he's he's right He's, he's, he's pretty good, you know. He's, not, he's no Sinatra, but he's got a good voice, and he's very popular, so he's, um, 
like it's good for him to be around because like he brings jazz more into mainstream sort of yeah, that he way he brings big band vocals kind of back a little bit which i which i really like but yeah it's just the fact like in my eyes he doesn't even nearly compare to frank sinatra and i think a lot of his music's kind of cop out but um no i think he's definitely still a good performer and it's it's really important that he's singing and he's still reminding people that big band jazz and vocal still exists and mm-hmm. i think he's a good voice for for that type of music mm-hmm. so. anything else to talk about on our first portion of the show boys mm-hmm. i don't think so all right with that should we get into our first guest carter keen let's do it mm-hmm. yeah all right here's carter Welcome back. We're here with our interview with Carter Keene, and he will tell us his experiences as an ex-music major. Hello. Gannon, that sounds like your last name to me. No way, really? At least you are brothers, so should be a good story here. Good story. Hey, Carter, who are you? Um, I'm a brother. No (laughs) way, but bigger picture, bigger picture. Who are you? Um, I play the oboe and I'm a chemistry major at St. Olaf who signed up to be music major and now I'm not. What was your experience with the Owatonna music program? It was really great. You know, um, I learned a lot in elementary school and junior high. And when I got to high school, I was able to be in the concert band as a freshman and the orchestra and being able to play in both groups was a lot of fun and I learned a lot of things that really made me a more confident player as the years went on and made me appreciate the oboe more too. Do you still do you still play in college now? Yes, yes. If I I have a scholarship that is requiring me to take lessons and play in one group. So right now I play in a lower orchestra called the Philharmonia. But yeah, and then a I play in a couple other groups too, some a trio and a quintet for fun, but those aren't happening right now, at least. So what made you want to be a music major originally? Uh, you know, I was taking lessons with my current teacher, who is the professor at St. Olaf, um, for a couple of years before, I think maybe the summer after, summer before 11th grade is when I started. And I really liked it. And, you know, I was progressing more and more. And I was in Allstate, and I thought, this might be something I can actually do. And... When I auditioned, you know, I got the music scholarship at St. Olaf and they accepted me into the performance major program. And it's kind of a thing where they want you to say yes then because it's a lot harder to enter in after you've begun school because you have to re-audition. And so I accepted it then. But, um, and I, I mean, I thought I would keep loving the oboe. I mean, I still love to play, but just as things happened, I, it wasn't exactly what I hoped. So what was it like to be a music major there? What were your you know, with day-to-day classes or that kind of stuff? Well, it's, you know, it's different for every person based on what type you are. I mean, mm-hmm. you can get a BA, which is just a degree in music more general, or like a BA with education, which would be for a music teacher. Um, I was the, it's called a BM, which is Bachelor's of Music, so it's more focused. It's, some people would say it's more intense. I don't know, but it's what you have to do if you're going to be a performance major, which is what I was trying to do. I thought I wanted to play more and learn more about the oboe and you know there's 
some basic requirements are the same. They're the same for both majors, and that includes like the um, music theory class I took. But as a performance major, um, you know, I took a my first semester classes was like a chemistry class, a writing class, and then oboe. The lessons counted as a full credit class for me, and then the last one was a music theory class and intro, basically for everyone to take. And so that class, all music majors alike would take. And it was really just my oboe lessons that distinguished me from anyone else. So as we um, go along your music journey, like wh why do you think you like started to, to go against becoming an oboe ma major? Well, I, I mean, I still love playing the oboe. I love taking lessons. That's all fine. I just did not um, like all, I didn't, <laughs> maybe you could say I'm against the well-roundedness of the music major because I just wanted to play. That's really all I was interested in. But the music major, especially in the intro levels, you have to take a lot of, it, it replies a lot to singing. You know, there's things you learn about like figured bass and part writing and writing things SATB and then different types of basic compositions. They make you follow some rules. And then a lot of it was also sight singing too and making sure you use solfege. And there are things like that, which I really didn't see applying to me very well. I mean, like I left the class as a more musical person, but it wasn't helping my oboe as much as I hoped. And I realized that I'd have to learn a lot more things about music in general, the science behind it, oral and, you know, theory that I just wasn't interested in learning. So your passion was in the playing, not necessarily the music. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Do you have any advice for people thinking about becoming a music major? Um, I would ask yourself how much you love the circle of fifth, how much you love naming chords by ear, how much you love guessing intervals, things like that, because you're going to have to get good at it at some point if you want to be a music major. And I really think that, I mean, especially if you're in high school, you can learn a lot of it on your own, or you can start learning it now, and it will give you an edge in college, because in my class, there were people who had almost no experience. I mean, we started off with literal clefs, like this is the treble clef, these are the notes on the scale. That's what we started out with, but then it moves really quickly into things that you won't be familiar with. And so you just have to ask yourself how you know interested you are in it. Um, but part of it is just trying it out too, because I don't regret taking the class and it was just one class, which really is not gonna change anything. And I would have had to take elective classes. I will have to take elective classes anyway. So it's a fine thing to just try out and see how you feel. So where do you see music further down in your life? Like, obviously you're not gonna do it as a professional. Where do you see it taking place in your life? You know, Oatana community band, woohoo, the club for the Not for the summer. You know, just any sort of chaos, that rip, anything <laughs> like that can keep going. And I mean, there's more groups than just the Oatana community band. And especially if you're in a bigger city, there's other groups that are like semi-professional. If I auditioned and was good enough, there's a chance I could get a seat and something like that. But I mean, aside from that, I just also love playing with myself and just, you know, putting on headphones or something and trying things like that. So no matter what, it'll be something I do in that extent, to that extent. Boys got anything else for Carter? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Not so, that I can uh, think of. Yeah, <laughs> you're quiet. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap like to up this, this section and we're going to go next to our next guest, which is Emily Malmgren from Wilmer High School. And she's looking to be a 
trumpet performance major at the University of Minnesota. So it'll be a stark contrast to Carter's experience, but um, both of them love music. And so we'll kind of see the connections between the two. So thank you very thank much you so for much. coming. Thank coming you, on, Carter. Bye. All right. So um, we're here, we're back with our next guest, uh, Emily Malmgren from Wilmer High School. Care to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Emily Mullingren. I'm a senior at Wilmer High School, and I've been involved in a lot of musical activities, such, you know, at like the high school and in the community. And yeah, like Ashton said, I'm going to the U of M for trumpet performance. So why do you want to pursue music? <laughs> okay, so I think for this one, I just need to start at the very beginning because I think everything is important. So. When I was in second grade, I started playing piano. So my parents put me in piano lessons and I picked it up pretty quickly. There was like this immediate spark and I just had this curiosity that like just kept growing. So then in fourth grade, I had the opportunity to join string orchestra and I picked up the cello and I just thought it was like such a cool different aspect, you know, playing in a group and cello is obviously a lot different than piano and I really liked it. So then, in sixth grade, we had the opportunity to join a band, and I was like, yes, of course. So then I picked up trumpet, and then, so at my middle school, there was band, choir, and orchestra, but you could only be in two of the ensembles because of, like, the way the schedules worked and stuff. So in sixth grade, I was in band and orchestra, and then going into seventh grade, I was like, I'm going to try choir. So I quit band for seventh and eighth grade. I didn't play trumpet at all um and i was in choir and orchestra for seventh and eighth grade and then also from seventh through tenth grade i was like really dedicated to cross country and track which took up so much time so i didn't really have any time to practice music at all except for piano um it was definitely still like a passion of mine but i just didn't have time so it was really just like put to the side um so then after my sophomore year of high school, I ended up quitting cross country and track for various reasons, but um, then I had a lot more time to put into music. So that summer going into my junior year, I decided, hey, I'm gonna take private lessons for trumpet. Um, and I feel like that's when my passion for it like really started to grow. I improved a lot over that summer. <laughs> I didn't really see it as like a career path at that point, but I had like goals for myself, you know, for high school and like possibly college. Um, so then my first day of junior year, I show up to band class. I'm in the Cardinal band, like the high band of the school, just juniors and seniors. I was really excited. And I know some schools have chair auditions, but we just have like part auditions. So you basically just play for the teachers and then they assign you a part. But it was like kind of a big deal for some people. Um, but I remember I was assigned first part as a junior. And some of the senior trumpets like flipped out. They got so mad and it created like so much unnecessary drama. And it was like actually kind of hard for me at some point because I don't know, they were just being so annoying and rude. But it honestly kind of just helped me like, it just motivated me to like do better and we're on good terms now. So <laughs> it's all good. But, um, <laughs> in my junior year, I decided to audition for Allstate um, the year prior, I'd, I auditioned for choir and I didn't get in. So I was like, you know what, this year, like, I've been working a lot more on trumpet, like, I'll try out. And I remember, like, seeing kids from my school that had gone in the past. And I was like, wow, 
Austin is so elite. Like everyone who goes to Austin is like amazing. Like I never saw myself being at that level. And I like remember when I was practicing for those auditions, I worked so hard. Like I'd never practiced for anything more in my entire life. And I remember like one Saturday, I was just lying in bed and I was so lazy. I was just like, I don't want to practice. I don't want to get out of bed. And then I just asked myself like, how badly do you want to get into Allstate? And that was enough to just get me out of bed and start practicing. I wanted to get in so bad. Um, so then I submitted my auditions and a few months later, I found out I got in. And I was like so excited. I was like crying in the band pod. It was so embarrassing. But um, yeah, I was really happy. And a few other kids from my band had gotten in too, which was really, really fun. Um, so then at Allstate that August, um, I met a lot of cool people, including Ashton. But the one person I wanted to talk about was my roommate, Alexa. So um, I remember the first time we met, we were like introducing ourselves to each other. Um, we were talking about our future plans for college and stuff. And at the time I was planning on majoring in elementary education and planning on minoring in music. Um, and she was like, I'm going to the University of North, Te North, North Texas to be a multiple woodwind performance major. Like I'm gonna be a musician. And I was like, whoa, like I never met anyone like that before. She was just so like dedicated and it was just like so apparent that like she wasn't gonna let anyone stop her from like doing what she wanted to do and like following her dreams. It's like, wow, like so inspiring. And we became really close over that week. And so afterwards we decided to like keep in touch. So we've been like pen pals <laughs> since then. And I remember writing to her about um, like the struggles and stresses of like applying for college during that whole process. And I was like, man, I don't know what I should do because I feel like I really want to do music, but I never saw it as something that was like realistic or like attainable for me. And she was just like, you should just go for it. But I don't know. It just took me a while to like really realize that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so like the first time I told my parents about it, they were like, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Well, like, I don't really blame them because I mean, like, being a teacher is obviously a much easier, more stable career choice than being a musician. But um, after a while and, like, talking to them, and um, they realize that there's, like, more options and it's not as, like, bad as they thought, I think. But anyway, so I changed my major. <clears throat> and then in February for Allstate, we played at Orchestra Hall, which was, like, iconic and it really just like helps solidify my decision so yeah that's my story <laughs> one thing at all state is that i always made fun of her for saying iconic so that's why, that's why i laughed at that <laughs> i don't see that word so. at all anymore so i thought i would <laughs> are there any artists or musicians that inspired you to go into this field oh yeah um i have a lot of inspirations in general i think that um people who aren't even musicians have musical inspirations. I mean, I think everyone I met at Allstate was really inspiring. Um, all my music teachers, anyone that has taught me music throughout the years. Um, Wynton Marcellus, love that guy. Um, even though I don't really like jazz, I saw him in December in um, at Orchestra Hall with my mom um, with Jazz at Lincoln Center, which was super cool. And I remember he like walked on stage and was like, 
bawling my eyes out. I was like, mom, this is not real. He's literally right there on stage, <laughs> even though I was in like the way back. It was just so cool. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it, I guess. So um, just a quick thing about like the Wilmer music program, like what's it like to actually be able to participate in all three ensembles? So oh, like at most schools, you can only participate in one and Oatana, we're lucky to be able to participate in two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's definitely like, um, I like it because there's a lot of balance, you know, there's a lot of people that are just in one ensemble and our blocks at our school are an hour and a half each. So during that hour and a half, I get to go to two musics and so it kind of rotates per day so it's like band choir orchestra band choir orchestra band choir orchestra so like every day is something different something new and then this year i took ap music theory too which was in the same block so it was just a nice a nice balance you know i like the change every single day so what sort of fears do you have with going into the music field because it is such a competitive scene mm -hmm. yeah for sure um you know I think I have all the typical fears, like I'm scared it's not going to be everything that I like dream it'll be, or like I'm not going to be good enough, but I don't know. I saw this quote once, and I'm pretty sure it's by Walt Disney, and it's so cheesy, but it's always like resonated with me, I guess. It's like, if you're not scared of your dreams, you're not dreaming big enough. <laughs> I just love that. I don't know why, but it's always just stuck with me, and I've always been really good um, at like setting goals for myself, and like being really goal oriented. So I think that'll help me in the future. So I know, I know you listened to our last episode with Dr. Adam Lynch. Mm -hmm. He talked a lot about patience. Do you feel like you have the patience to become a musician? I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I think with some things like I'm impatient, like, you know, like standing in line or whatever, but that's totally different. I think I'll be okay. I hope. <laughs> So what is your, uh, what's your end goal? What do you, what do you want to accomplish? Oh man, I have a lot of things on this list. So my highest, highest, highest goal of my entire life, I think Ashton already knows this because of our like little secret obsession is to play for a Disney Pixar soundtrack. And that's like so unrealistic and unattainable, but I don't care. I'm still, that's still my dream. Like, I just think it would be the coolest thing to sit in the movie theater and watch like the newest Disney movie and then you hear the music and you're like, you know what? You hear those trumpets? That's me. And then just have that. Yeah, I think that's so cool. But I have like different options too. Like <clears throat> I think a career as an orchestral musician would be super cool. Um, or like I looked into being like a professor because uh, I really like teaching too and doing more of like freelance stuff on the side or being a conductor. Like I have a lot of different ideas. I'm not like totally set on one thing. So what is your um, favorite Disney Pixar movie then? Oh, definitely Finding Nemo. 100%. That was like my childhood movie. And every time I listen to the soundtrack, I can just like so vividly picture what's happening on the screen. I think it's just amazing. <laughs> what is your favorite Disney Pixar score? Or is it the same? It's the same, I think. Oh, okay. I like a lot of them, though. I also like the Princess and the Frog one. I like the kind of Louisiana. Not Pixar, though, but that's, that's it's right. It's not? <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, well, I like Ratatouille, too. <laughs> there's uh, uh there's actually an interesting photo of me that uh, <laughs> it was uh, 
there was like a week there where last last year where I was um I was pretty sick, so I'd take Nyquil's, but I'd still stay up pretty late, so I'd be pretty loopy on Nyquil. And at one point, I sent them to these two, but it was a picture of me, no shirt on, double chin, big crappy headphones on, caption currently listening to Ratatouille, and that photo has definitely stuck around for a while. So I've still got it, and I'm planning to use it in a calendar to make a calendar next year. <laughs> <laughs> So what is your favorite uh, memory? What is your favorite music memory? Oh, easy, easy. Okay, so this is at Allstate in August. And I think this was like a few nights before the camp was over. We got to go to TCF Bank Stadium and sit on the turf. And we were watching Coco on the big screen. Also one of my favorite soundtracks. Um, And I remember Ashton was sitting next to me. And we were just geeking out about how good the score was the entire movie. It was so fun. <clears throat> it was just, I just loved that night. That was so fun. It was so nice out. Everyone was just having a good good old time. Yeah, you got mad at me because I went to go play Ultimate Frisbee for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that too. Oh, gosh. All right. You boys got any other questions? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank oh, yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we definitely wish you the best of luck in the uh, in the music field. And thank you. I mean, we're not really experts to tell you anything, but we wish you the best of luck. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much to Emily and Carter for coming on and talking with us. It was truly a pleasure to get to interview you today. And make sure to tune into our next episode where we discuss Jesus is King and Kids See Ghosts by Kanye West. We'll also be having another special guest in Dr. Trent Jacobs, uh, a bassoon teacher at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. So um, we hope you guys tune in again, and we hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. So we'll see you in the next happy hour.